I'm a handshake and tape. I'm a spud with a plate. I'm a miracle that's greater day by day. I ain't your average quitter. I don't put up a golf. I'm doing the best I can. The drum tater. Welcome to the Trump Tater. I'm Jamie Renda, your host, and it is a snowy, cold day here in Ogden, Utah. Um, so I decided I'm going to j- jump right into my Trump Tater of the Day award. It's going to go to Derek Brown. And uh, so I'm on various different uh, chat groups online. And uh, so somebody posted this, and I hope that it's a true statement that Derek Brown made. I'm just going to go out there on the limb and say it is. But Derek Brown said the real problem with the Trump haters, not the Trump taters. Remember, we're the Trump taters. The real problem with the Trump haters have is that the Trump phenomena is alive and well. Not only is it is it lurking everywhere in every uh Everywhere in every country, I thought he said county, but every country, not only has the maniacal Democratic and never Trump coalition's effort to legitimize the results of the November presidential election failed to convince anyone except themselves. This uh, impeachment exercise is the end of a fervent five year Democratic media effort to make the defamation of Donald Trump um, a substitute for all other government and Uh, For all other government and politics, that ship has sailed and it has sunk. So that's Derek Brown, the chair of the GOP party here in the state of Utah. So Derek Brown is my Trump tater of the day standing up now, waiting to see. I mean, yesterday they put out a statement kind of, you know, you know, giving a trophy to both Mitt Romney and Mike Lee um, for their position on impeachment, even though. You know, the, their decision on impeachment was total opposites, but a uh, lot, a lot of conversation right now in censuring Mitt Romney for his uh, second vote on impeachment of President Trump. So one of the things I want to get on to later in our program, I won't start there now, is uh, a piece I talked about last week with James Clapper. So I've been kind of setting on this for a week to see what Facebook was going to say, to see if I see it out on any other media platforms. And um, it just has amazed me. I don't see it out there, but Facebook to date has not given it a fact check saying it's false information. These videos are now available on YouTube as well as Rumble. Um, but you just don't hear a lot of people talking about it. So I don't know if it's a um, anyway, but this little James Clapper uh interrogation uh, mentions our lovely Mitt Romney here in the state of Utah. So uh, probably after the uh, in the third segment of this this program, we'll we'll get into that James Clapper piece and how it applies to Mitt Romney. So I, I'm just going to start out with a, I shouldn't say start out. I'm going to continue here with kind of a celebrity piece that I don't normally talk about celebrities because because I just don't get into um, actors or actresses. I think oftentimes they're too inflated or even musicians and uh, I drive my kids crazy because they always want to know who my favorite artist is. And I just don't allow those things to occupy space in my brain. I can't even, it it is probably bad on my part because I probably should be more aware of, um, of different talent that's out there because I don't diminish the talent, but uh, I, I feel oftentimes they, they just take too much, um, Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? They think too much of themselves, uh, some of them, on that their opinion should, because their talent, their opinion should have uh, impact elsewhere in our, our politics and our daily lives. So anyway, but I, I want to mention one on Britney Spears. So there's a recent movie that's came out about, you know, kind of Britney Spears life and and I know this is, <laughs> I had a weird dream. It was like 15 years ago on Britney Spears. And I told my daughters about this dream, but in this dream, I just had this overwhelming sympathy for Britney Spears. And this is before all the uh, information came out on some of the things that she was struggling with. And then her father took over. 
um, basically her life, all of her finances as a conservatorship, however you say that. And um, so I think oftentimes we, we, we view people uh, differently. You know, we see them, we elevate them, and we don't maybe connect to some of the hard times and struggles they've gone through. But, but uh, anyway, I think Britney Spears, what has happened to her in her life, uh, has been sad. And, uh, so I haven't watched the movie yet, so I'm going to watch this movie and then I'll come back and tell you what I think of the Britney Spears, uh, tragedy or whatever you might want to consider, um, what's taken place in Britney Spears life over the last 13, 14 years. So anyway, that was just a tidbit. I don't know why I threw that in other than I, I made this connection because I had this odd dream about Britney Spears. It was very, very real. And uh, I told my young daughters about it years ago. They were, I shouldn't even say young. They were 13, 15. And uh, so it was just this odd connection. We've been talking about it since. So yesterday being President's Day, another little tidbit, um, is that in Florida, you had three or four different airplanes fly over uh, where President Trump is with signs of Happy Valentine's Day, President Trump, Happy President's Day, congratulations. You had cars going all day long, this train of cars with Trump flags on it, uh, letting him know uh, that he's loved and appreciated. And uh, people don't get it from the outside because uh, they see it that the movement is about Trump. No, the movement, it's not about Trump. Trump gave those of us the courage to stand up for what we believe in. By standing up for us, he gave us the courage to stand up for ourselves. And that's what the movement is about, is that uh, you know, we're, we're not going to be shut down anymore. And, uh, Rob Smith made a post today and I, I don't know why I had it's, I, I had the post somewhere, but I'm not going to go back and read it. But, uh, it was mentioning that conservatives shouldn't have to decide between their livelihood and free speech. And that's kind of where it's gone down to is that so many conservatives are losing their jobs and losing the ability to provide for their families when they come out and, and defend their First Amendment right for free speech. And matter of fact, I have a friend that I've talked about on this program, Lady Maga, who is Ryan, uh, now the president of the Log Cabin Republicans, and his job is at Jeopardy, and uh, waiting to hear whether he's going to officially be fired or or what they're going to do. But right now, he is um, on unpaid uh leave for the next 60 days. So again, should conservatives um, have to choose between free speech and, and their livelihood? And so Rob Smith's um, suggestion was we need to join together and file a lot more lawsuits. I mean, I think conservatives as a whole don't jump on the lawsuit um, train quite as quickly as liberals do. But I think it's time that we really start standing up for ourselves and challenging and supporting those who are fighting for their livelihoods um, in the court systems and maybe even joining together. So many people, um, you know, were making money off Facebook. You know, they built up and it was it's no easy endeavor to build up a half million followers, a million followers on a platform that tells you you can monetize on this platform to build your business, to sell your products. And then one day you're just ripped off the face of the earth after putting all that time in, because you may have articulated something not in the way that Facebook deemed it appropriately. Uh, I believe that there's a class action lawsuit waiting to happen with a lot of uh, influencers joining together to sue some of these platforms for false advertising, uh, letting you spend your money on building, promoting your businesses, boosting your post, and building your your following just to rip you off with no warnings, no justification. Um, I think I think a lot of people are gonna have to join together with Candace Owens and others and start challenging their ability to do that and uh, demanding a, a settlement. If they don't want their speech on, they're demanding a settlement for the economic impact that it had 
uh, on their families because a lot of these, especially black conservative influencers, um, have really been successful building up audiences and promoting their messages. And now, you know, their ability to protect, uh, provide for their family has been taken away. So anyway, we'll be back on the Trump Tinner in a minute to talk about the other things going on in the world around us and, uh, and how we can fight back and make a difference. I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover. All for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 3388 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 3388. Enjoy. Sebastian Gorka here. Maybe you've been hearing about Relief Factor, the 100% drug-free supplement that helps a person's body deal with inflammation and pain. You've heard all the wonderful testimonials. Well, I have my own testimonial. For many years, my lower back pain was becoming a serious problem. The short story is, I finally gave it a try, and now I'm out of pain too. So if you're in pain, you can order the three-week quick start for just $19.95. Go to relieffactor.com. Hi, this is Dennis Prager, and we just launched a new PragerTopia membership called PragerTopia Unlimited. Members can listen to any and all audio programs that are in the Dennis Prager store. That's over 400 programs to choose from, show segments, talks, lectures, courses, even full access to all five books of my Torah teaching. For a limited time, an annual PragerTopia Unlimited membership is only $119. Join PragerTopia Unlimited today. Go to PragerTopia.com. If your credit card bills have gotten out of hand and you care about your credit, call Consolidated Credit now. If the interest rates on your credit cards are so high, it'll take years to get out of debt. Call Consolidated Credit now. They've helped over 6 million people with credit card debt. Without destroying your credit, they can consolidate your debts into one lower payment, reduce your interest rates, and get you out of debt fast. The program works. Call Consolidated Credit now. Call 800-406-0046. That's 800-406-0046. Consolidated Credit Counseling Services, Inc., 5701 West Sunrise Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33313. Licensed by the New York Department of Financial Services and by the Vermont Department of Financial Regulation, Maryland DM 1492, Oregon DM 80092. Licensed by the Virginia State Corporation, Commission License Number DC83. Service may adversely affect an individual's credit. Non-payment of debt may lead to additional finance charges or collections activity, including legal action, not a loan company. Welcome back to the Trump Tater. I'm going to get into an article written by the Washington Post. Uh, the, the headline to this article is the powerful have realized they don't need the post. And um, so anyway, it, it starts, it says, this month we learned that Telsa, a $400 billion public company run by one of the richest people in the world, has done away with its media relations department, effectively formalizing an informal policy of ignoring reporters. Though we should all be grateful for the chance to hear less about Tesla, Tesla, uh, we should also recognize this for what it is. One more glaring data point showing that the powerful people no longer think that they need the mainstream press. So part of me 
<laughs> I don't know, kind of likes the fact that uh, Elon Musk basically gave the middle finger to the uh, to the standard press. And then the other part of me, I mean, putting in the bigger picture, um, it makes me concerned that these big corporations are somehow above um, the scrutiny of, because it's not just Tesla. It's a lot of these big corporations. I mean, they don't have time for um, being scrutinized. They don't have time and they don't need, they're so powerful that they don't have to even worry about it. it. says, as journalists, we view this as a horrifying assault on the public's right to know and on our own status as brave defenders of the public good. And that is all true for what it's worth. But this is about power. We need to take some of it back, lest the rich and powerful run away from one of the last forces restraining them. So I think journalism has itself to blame on this because they have not been journalists in some time, at least the the larger part of uh, our mainstream media. It says Trump's incredible acclimation of of power in the face of the countless well-documented scandal stories is proof of concept that will surely be used by smarter characters of the future. So I just found that interesting that somehow they had to throw something in about Trump on this as that he had somehow a bearing on this. Um, I mean, when in doubt, I mean, uh, blame it on Trump. So, um, just kind of anyway, again, we, we've allowed it. And there was another article about California that a friend of mine posted online this morning. And I'm just going to kind of summarize it. But it's basically, you know, Biden has uh, suggested that we make America like California again, that uh, somehow holding it up is the shiny light on the hill. But yet the discrepancy of income in California where the rich have become richer and the poor have become poor is the exact problem that we're looking at here in this article of these powerful entities not feeling that they have any accountability and the separation of wealth and so that's really felt in the state of California so you know it's kind of one of these you know mixed messages to me because I definitely feel in some ways I have no compassion on the media because I don't feel like they've been very effective at their jobs and uh, have not hold held these companies uh, accountable and have played politics with the American people uh, for their own personal. And when I say reporters, I got to be careful because re- most of the reporters of today um, are just mouthpieces for the entities that own the stations or the newspapers and uh, they're not real journalists anymore. There's a few that break out on occasion. Um, I just lost thought of this lady's name. Um, oh, who did she work for? Anyway, it'll come back to me in a minute. Uh, but there are a few that kind of come out and all of a sudden they're taken off the air. They're not, um, they're somehow, di- uh, you know, disqualified in their profession by their fellow peers when they actually do come out and do real journalism. So I I don't have a lot of compassion for this article in the sense that they're feeling a little bit snubbed by these entities because we on the right have felt snubbed by these big corporations for some time now. And so anyway, I just find it interesting that uh, all of a sudden these reporters are are getting a, a taste of their own medicine. So another thing that I was uh, that got brought up in the impeachment uh, trial and specifically on Saturday after they voted for having witnesses and then retracted and decided they're not going to call any witnesses because basically Senator Graham from South Carolina suggested that he would put Nancy Pelosi on the stand and uh, and make sure that uh, she's asked about why there was not additional security and if she turned down the request for that additional security. So since then, there uh, there's an article that came out. It says House Republicans demand answers from Pelosi on security decisions leading up to the Capitol rights. So I'm quite grateful to hear that they're not going to let that just slide by and that they're going to try to hold her accountable uh, to whatever choices she decided in not allowing uh, the additional request for security to take place. So in Jason, 
I'm sorry, I'm kind of, my brain is kind of fogged today, but it says top, top Republicans on several committees are demanding answers from Nancy Pelosi regarding security decisions being made uh, up to and on the day of the January 6th Capitol riot. House Administration, Administration Committee Ranking Member Rodney Davis, House Judiciary Ranking Member Jim Jordan, House Oversight Committee Ranking Member James Comer and House Intelligence Committee ranking member uh, Devin Nunes has sent a letter to uh, Pelosi, Democrat in California, on Monday saying that many important questions about her responsibility for the security of the Capitol Hill uh, riot on January 6th still remain unanswered. So Nancy is wanting to create this um, 9-11 like commission to study and figure out what happened on January 6th and Capitol Hill's riot. So I hope that uh, there's a lot of scrutiny and oversight continued by Republicans. And I hope this time, unlike, you know, after President Trump was elected, um, somehow Republicans are, I mean, there's only a few Republicans that stood up with President Trump. I hope a lot of Republicans at this time. And so I'm glad to see this cohesive effort among Republicans trying to hold Nancy Pelosi accountable for ultimately she is the one responsible for the security of the, uh, the our nation's capital. And uh, so continue. I I just hope to continue seeing this, that uh, if we're going to really try to figure out what happened on January 6th, I, I hope there's a lot of Republicans that are going to really fight to expose Nancy Pelosi's part and the Democrats' part on pro- preventing additional security forces uh, to protect our nation's capital on January 6th in the hope that this chaos would arise and that uh, the only person or people that it did impact negatively, obviously, were Trump and uh, the Trump supporters. So. I hope that we really, if we're going to look into what happened, I hope we really look into it and see all the different uh, players that had a part in what took place in our in our nation on January 6th. So anyway, kudos to um, to the leaders in the Republican Party at this time and standing up against Nancy Pelosi and trying to hold her accountable. And and I don't know why a month, you know, 10 days later, we don't know that we haven't seen that chain of command on these requests that were asked for for additional security from our Capitol Police and from others in the FBI and others that said we're going to need additional uh, security why we haven't seen who turned down that additional security and where that responsibility stopped, because that that's really fundamental question is why was it turned down and what was the purpose of that additional security being turned down on January 6th? So hopefully we will find that out soon. Um, and if you haven't checked us out on trumptater.com, please go to trumptater.com and check out, check us out there. Follow us on Facebook. Uh, we're going to be on um, Parlor. We are on Parlor. We just haven't been posting it because it's been shut down. And um, other other social media platforms. We'll be back on the Trumptater. USA Radio News with Lance Pride. The North Carolina Republican Party Central Committee voted unanimously on Monday to censure Senator Richard Burr over his impeachment vote. The committee announced the censure in a statement that argued Burr's vote to convict went outside the authority of the Constitution. President Trump was acquitted of impeachment for a second time on Saturday. A catastrophic explosion and fire at an Afghanistan customs depot has destroyed hundreds of fuel tankers and caused traders tens of millions in losses on Sunday. NASA satellites could reportedly see the blast from space, and the fire was so intense, officials called neighboring Iran for help. The blast on the Iranian border in western Afghanistan destroyed as much as $50 million worth of vehicles and goods. The cause is still under investigation. 
Basketball great Michael Jordan on Monday pledged $10 million to help build two medical clinics for uninsured and underinsured communities in his hometown of Wilmington, North Carolina. USA Radio News. Hi, this is Wayne Alaroot for Freedom Health Alliance. Now more than ever, our immune systems are under attack as we face continued turmoil as a nation. Stress, anxiety, illness, masks, lockdowns, and of course this past presidential election, all of these are taking a toll on our mental, emotional, and physical health. Freedom Health Alliance offers incredible products, but before I brought their products to you, I had to experience them for myself. Since taking these products, my energy has increased, my brain fog is gone, I'm sleeping better, and I'm feeling better than I have in years. And of course, the main benefit is to strengthen your immune system. Freedom Health Alliance is offering my listeners an additional 20% off their already unbeatable low prices. Call Freedom Health Alliance toll-free at 888-910-0341. That's 888-910-0341. Just say Wayne Alaroot sent you to get 20% off. 888-910-0341. Or visit FreedomHealthAlliance.com and use promo code WAR to receive 20% off. That's FreedomHealthAlliance.com. Governor Andrew Cuomo, the Democrat from New York, blamed the staff of New York nursing homes for the record high death toll that was brought about by mandating infected people be put into nursing homes. The directive was issued by Governor Cuomo. COVID did not get into the nursing homes by people coming from hospitals. COVID got into the nursing homes by staff walking into the nursing home. As gathered by Fox News cameras, some New Yorkers aren't buying it. We're calling for Cuomo to resign. We're calling for de Blasio to resign. They have not listened to public health. They have not listened to advocates. We're saying that you, your actions have killed. It's just really sad, but it's also like good that now other people are seeing him for who he really is. It's estimated well over 15,000 people died under Governor Cobo's mandate. The exact number is still unknown as politics was being played during record-keeping and subsequent cover-up by Cuomo's office. USA Radio News. Welcome back to the Trumptator. I almost forgot about this article that I was wanting to share on, again, how they can turn almost anything into a race argument. And uh, so someone being fairly passionate about math, and not that I'm just extremely smart on math, but it's been one of my frustrations with our educational system. I really feel like we should go to a math specialist from Probably first grade on, uh, minimal third grade on, we should have a math specialist because most school teachers, um, I shouldn't say most, but I, I, I would say, uh, yeah, I'm going to say most. I'd say majority because I think it falls in line with just Americans as a whole or people as a whole uh, aren't necessarily passionate about math. And, uh, and a lot of school teachers just aren't even good at math, but yet we expect them to somehow with enthusiasm install excitement about math um, into young students. And uh, and if you don't have that fundamental understanding of how math works and the excitement of how fun math can be, um, I think kids just really miss out on an opportunity uh, to fall in love and enjoy the subject. And so anyway, somehow Oregon, the Department of Education Oregon, feels that asking students to show their work in math class is a form of white supremacy. So I just never thought (laughs) in in my wildest dreams, you know, as somebody who is passionate about math, that somehow it's a form of white supremacy because I mean, really a lot of, you know, without going into just because I'm not familiar enough with them other than, you know, over the years, between the Egyptians. I mean, there's a lot of fundamental principles of math that come from people of, um, and I don't even know if you're supposed to say people of color. Sometimes knowing the the politically correct phraseology uh, is hard these days. But uh, so mathematics is not a, a, a white cultural um, subject. I mean, this is worldwide with influence from all people. And uh, it's just one of those things that, tends to be um, the same regardless of what race you are or what 
you know, if you're a Republican conservative, I just don't see how they can manipulate math in this way. But let me tell you, I'm going to I'm going to read this article part of it to you. It says a mathematics guide sent out to Oregon schools tells educators that asking students to show their work in math classes is a form of white supremacy. In an email sent out by Oregon Department of Education, education teachers were encouraged to enroll in a course called a pathway to equitable math instruction. The course came with an 82 page instructional guide that lists ways in which white supremacy is perpetrated in math class. White supremacy is uh, culture infiltrates math, math classrooms every day in teachers' actions. Coupled with the beliefs that underlie these actions, they perpetrate education, educational harm on black, Latinx. They use the word Latinx, and from what I understand, Latinx is not a word that Latinos embrace, but yet they use this. Multilingual students denying them full access to the world of mathematics. The guide offers a year long framework for de deconstructing racism in mathematics. It calls for visibly the uh, visibilizing the toxic characteristics of white supremacy culture in the respect of math. And so I'm thinking, what is this culture they're referring to? Examples of classroom actions that allegedly perpetrate white supremacy include asking the student to show their work, focusing on getting the right answer, tracking the student's success, and grading the students. I mean, to me, these aren't arbitrary things. I mean, to be able to show the steps in which you came to your conclusion uh, in a long division equation or an algebraic equation um, and getting the right answer, I, I just don't get that. So anyway, I'm going to go on. It says, the guide claims that asking students to show their work is a crutch for teachers to understand what students are thinking. This is considered white supremacy because it allegedly reinforces the paternalism and worship of the written word. So now we're taking it from math to the written word, that the written word is somehow white supremacist as well. Worship of the written word is alleged foundation of white supremacy culture, which reinforces the documentation of writing skills. So now somehow we just went from mathematics are racist to now writing is racist. So why don't we just get rid of school altogether and just say education is racist? And, uh, and I think we can probably, you know, uh, get rid of racism just by not educating uh, people. Uh, and so to me, I mean, this is fundamental racism at its best, saying that uh, people of color, black people, Latinos, uh, and others somehow not, not um, trying to help them understand the process of mathematics, not holding them to the standard of getting the right answer, and uh, and suggesting that, you know, the that uh, the written word is a white uh, is only a white man's. Um, I don't know, I'm trying to think, think of the right word here, uh, belief system that uh, that only the, it's a white cultural thing to have the written word. I mean, all these great advances in order to become the, the people that we are now being able to communicate through the written word, being able to have a systematic understanding of mathematics that applies throughout cultures. Uh, that somehow this is just a European man's uh, way of oppression upon the world around them. And uh, anyway, to me, this very, statement is very racist um, that educators would suggest uh, that the, this is how you would treat people, uh, black Americans and, and Latinos by saying that they're uh, by trying to enforce these standards is racism and, uh, and not having that same expectation on Latinos or black Americans. I just don't get it. It says math classes that focus on helping students get the right answer are also a form of perpetrating white supremacy. The guy claims that calling answers right or wrong perpetrates objectivity. There's very few subjects in which you can have a right or wrong answer per se, 
I, I mean, I shouldn't say there's very few subjects. I mean, multiple subjects, you can have a right or wrong answer, but mathematics would be one that is definitely on that, that there is a right or wrong answer. I mean, maybe in some very advanced mathematics, you can kind of question on how to get to something, but fundamental mathematics, I mean, it's like, um, I started a math tutoring club when my kids were in elementary school because their schools were forming, uh, functioning at a 20% of the nation's, uh, the bottom 20% of our nation's performance record. So uh, my my daughter in fifth grade was not learning long division yet. And I went in and questioned that. And uh, in the, the problem was is that so many kids in fifth grade did not know their times tables. So we started this math tutoring uh, class and I brought in students from Weber state math program and all the teachers were all butthurt over it. I, I thought we were doing them a favor, a favor. I was on the community council and I thought, well, let's help, you know, the, these teachers and uh, we'll start this math tutoring class to help the students get up to par. And one of the things I said, we need a mandate that uh, kids learn their times tables in third grade and that they've have everything mastered by fifth grade. And one of the teachers said, well, that's really hard on a kid's self-esteem to mandate. You know, that not all kids can do that. Now that no, what's hard on a kid's self-esteem is to send them middle school, not knowing their times tables because they can't do any further math with any ease if they don't know their fundamental times tables, uh, just, you know, on spot and, uh, and be able to break that apart into simple division as well. So anyway, this, again, I was amazed and that was kind of, um, and these are educators. <laughs> I mean, it's like every kid can memorize a song, but they can't memorize the times tables. So I personally feel like times tables should be learned other than just rote memorization, but minimal rote memorization, you should be able to memorize your times tables. And yet these fifth grade educators were saying that this would be hard on a child's self-esteem, uh, mandating that they learned their times tables not that so i mean that was bizarre enough to me but this right here is just blowing my mind that um it says the concept of mathematics being purely objective is unequivocally false and teaching it is even much less so upholding the ideal that there's always a right and wrong answer is perpetuate uh objectivity and uh I thought, man, I just can't believe that. So anyway, we'll be back on the Trump Trumpeter in just a minute and talk a little bit more about this crazy thing going on in Oregon. And uh, then we'll get on to that segment I was talking about on Mitt Romney with the James Clapper tape. Be back in just a minute. Trading involves financial risk and is not suitable for all investors. Past results do not guarantee future performance. Stock market have you nervous with all the massive fluctuations? With the hope for a COVID vaccine on the rise, shifting political landscape, and the election at an end, it's virtually impossible to guess what will happen next. With Vantage Point, you don't have to. Text MONEY to 411411 to find out how our technology can forecast market trends up to three days in advance with incredible accuracy. Text MONEY to 411411 to get what you need to stay ahead of market trends and find explosive moves before they happen. Vantage Point's patented technology analyzes huge quantities of global data in seconds. Stop guessing. Start predicting trends 72 hours in advance. Text MONEY to 411411 and experience Vantage Point for free. Text MONEY to 411411 so you can protect and grow your capital now. Don't wait. Text MONEY to 411411. Go to vantagepointsoftware.com for terms, conditions, and privacy policy. I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. 
Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover. All for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 3388 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 3388. Enjoy! With a recession ending, if you've been putting off building your business, now is the time to act. General Steel will meet or beat any price on a pre-engineered steel building of the same size and specifications. Act now before steel prices go up. So call us today for free information. Call 800-965-1290. Hi, this is Stan Ellsworth. You know, I know a little bit about history. I mean, me and that Harley and all. But social media, well, that's a mystery to me. So I turned to the good folks at Little Cloud. They helped me develop my social media. They call it an online footprint. I'm a pretty big guy. Little Cloud, they've created a pretty big online presence for me. Let them help you. Visit their website. Visit my friends at littlecloudmedia.com. Welcome back to the Trump Tater. <laughs> Decided to take a big drink right before I went back on. Um, so just wrapped up this article on math. Um, it says to be more culturally inclusive, teachers must adapt homework policies to fit the needs of students of colors of color. And um I don't know. To me, this is the most racist thing I have ever read, that uh, instead of helping students understand mathematics, which will help them be able to perform in science and other things to get into engineering programs and uh, medical fields, um, they're intentionally trying to, and and this goes back, I'm going to go back to slavery because slavery was democratic policy and Jim Crow was democratic Democrats. And, uh, in one of the ways that they were able to oppress, uh, the black, uh, people in America under slavery was to make them where they could not read the written word. They could not write the written word and that they didn't understand mathematical concepts. And that's how, by keeping them ignorant and being able to compete in the world around them, uh, they were able to enslave people and uh, and keep them enslaved for, you know, generations. Generations. And so, to me, this statement here is along that same line: is to hold uh, black and people of color to a totally different standard that won't allow them to be competitive in the world in which they live in. And so anyway, it goes on to say that teachers are asked to identify and challenge the ways math is used to uphold capitalist, imperialist, and racist views. And the instructional material also suggests that teachers expose students to examples of people who used mathematics to form resistance. I don't get it. Uh, Oregon uh, is a troubled state is all I have to say in there. <laughs> so anyway, that, that's enough of this other than it just kind of embraces the whole world in which we've lived in this year. Um, and to me, this article itself is among one of the most racist articles I've ever read. Um, not in the sense that math is racist. It's just in the sense of this lower expectations actually encouraging uh, teachers uh, to do a disservice to people in the black community and in the Latino community and make it where they are going to have a harder time competing in the world around them and progress into areas that require a good understanding of the quote, the right application of mathematics and getting the right answer. If they're going to go into as many professions that will allow them 
to provide well for their families, to be influential in their communities. Um, anyway, this is to me the one of the most racist things I've ever read. So anyway, we'll, we'll go ahead and go into this James Clapper. Uh, Ryan, do you have that ready? Okay, so this is James Clapper. It, it happened somewhere, I think, after January of last year when there was some talk about the people who were involved in this Russia hoax being held accountable. And James Clapper's on CNN and some other shows. Basically, and you can tell that he's kind of nervous saying, well, I think that's, you know, that I'm, I'm going to be one of those people because he knew what he was involved in. And so I think this interview took place after. And again, I'm not saying this interview is 90, uh, 100% true. Um, it's out there now, and it's been out there since for a few weeks. Nowhere has Facebook fact-checked it. Nowhere have I heard James Clapper say that this is not him. It's on YouTube. It's on Rumble. Uh, so if you look up James Clapper interrogation, there's multiple uh, videos. These were hours of conversations or interrogations. So this is just a little four-minute clip that I'm applying that I want to listen to today because it makes that connection that I've been feeling about Mitt Romney. Uh, for the last four years. So listen to the James Clapper interrogation here. Uh, domestic terrorism within the country and access was limited to a certain group headed by Robert Rosenstein. This became known as the, you know, the Dirty Trick Squad in Baltimore. This is where they were using Hammer, Sunrise, Sunset, things like that uh, to illegally spy on people, corrupt, uh, well, attempted corrupt judges, compromise them, uh, Hillary Clinton, others. I mean, it was just ongoing. They concentrate on judges, but they wanted to concentrate on this. And they would illegally compromise people, illegally wiretap, break into computers, plant, reverse, change information, change emails, things of that nature. And it was in this capacity of working with them that uh, the information about the judges and Roberts and Pence and things like that had come out. I've tried several times in the past to get it out and was thoroughly squashed by Rod and the DOJ and the FBI uh, to a horrible extent. I tried to get in 2015, tried to end run them and go to the Department of Homeland Security. <clears throat> but on the video, I tried to warn President Trump about the people that he was dealing with daily, and especially Rod and things like that, as they were working together to remove them, trying to compromise the people around them, get through anyone they possibly could. Now, how were Rod and uh, Rod Rosenstein and Mike Pence connected? Uh, that group, I mean, they're all interconnected in one way or another. That particular group was Rod, VP uh, Pence, uh, Paul Ryan. Uh, that was the core of that group. Uh, Robert was in there, but that was the core of it. And it was an attempt where Rod was the brilliant legal mind behind it to remove President Trump under the 25th Amendment. But that was a, that's an old movie about somebody being passed over for promotion, which they both felt they were. You know, VP Pence uh, hated uh, President Trump because uh, he had taken his slot as rightful president. He felt that he did. And Paul Ryan was actually uh, considered running as well for vice presidential slot, and that Romney was also involved. <clears throat> but uh, they don't really thought President Trump was an outsider who had not paid his dues. They just didn't like him. So once P.P. Uh, Pence was uh, uh, in there, once President Trump was elected, obviously Vice President Pence, I just walked away and uh, everything became very quiet. I was there mole inside. Someone who could run interference, leak certain things, and just keep tabs on the president and manage him. So is this a friendly relationship between Mike Pence and Rosenstein, or was there any kind of leverage being placed on the president or the vice president at the time? There was leverage on uh, Mike Pence because of uh, surveillance from way back in the 2013 range that they had um, gotten FISA warrants to exploit, and Rod had that. He wanted a vice presidential slot himself. You know, if they could remove President Trump, Vice President Pence becomes president, and Rod felt that he would be the natural selection for it. Paul Ryan felt differently, as did Mitt Romney, but uh, that was the overall goal. Each one of vying for the uh, vice presidential slot. Rod thought he was a clear winner because of his legal brilliance and his management of uh, the Mueller investigation and special counsels and things. You know, he would be the one to remove the president, damage him so thoroughly he could be removed, and he deserved it. Do you know what type of leverage? Okay, I don't know if y'all had a hard time hearing that, so please get on Rumble or uh, go DuckDuckGo and look up this interview or YouTube. Uh, but basically what it's saying there is that Rod Rosenstein was gonna uh, was being pushed to do the 25th Amendment uh, on President Trump and had the support of Paul Ryan, who at that time was Speaker of the House, uh, Vice President Pence. 
And then it's talking about how once they exercise the 25th Amendment, then Pence would become president. And then there was some, you know, Rod Rosenstein felt like because of his great intellect on this, that he should become the vice president. But Paul Ryan and Mitt Romney had kind of different thought processes. So you see this group of people that were involved uh, in the very beginning stages of President Trump's um, uh, presidency and uh, in this manipulation and this coup mentality that was taking place from the very beginning. Uh, Again, I have felt that Paul Ryan and Mitt Romney were in on this from the very beginning. I thought, how how could you uh, commit this type of political coup without some Republican support? And uh, Paul Ryan, as Speaker of the House, and Mitt Romney were among those Republicans who participated in this. It goes on further uh, talking about Pence. I don't want to get in on those accusations uh, on my program at this time, but uh, it definitely puts Pence in a different light in my eyes. And this goes hand in hand with Lynn Wood and what Lynn Wood's been saying. So just uh, just to kind of hit uh, on the topic of Lynn Wood and Sidney Powell, the Supreme Court is taking up both of their cases right now. Uh, It's going to be interesting to see how those play out. But so far, I have not found anything that Linwood and Sidney Powell have said to be proven false. So I think this uh, tape with James Clapper definitely uh, backs up a lot of uh, things that took place against President Trump. And uh, I just my heart goes out to Trump and his family and all that they had to put up with these past four years. So keep your prayers um, for uh, President Trump and his family and also for Sidney Powell and Linwood during this time that uh, the truth can come out, uh, even though it could be truth. It's definitely hurtful for us to hear as Americans uh, so that we can move forward and we can move forward um, in such a way that uh, we are able to bless all Americans. We'll be back in the Trump Theater tomorrow. Thank you.